Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. In Joe Biden's first speech as president-elect, he promised black America that he would have their backs. Now he needs to take prompt action to fulfill that pledge. For comment, we turn to Barbara Ransby. She's a historian, writer, and longtime political activist. She's a distinguished professor of African-American studies, gender and women's studies, and history at the University of Illinois at Chicago where she directs the campus-wide social justice initiative. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and The Nation. And she's best known as the author of the award-winning biography, Ella Baker and the Black Freedom Movement, A Radical Democratic Vision. Her most recent book is Making All Black Lives Matter, Reimagining Freedom in the 21st Century. We reached her today at home in Chicago, Barbara Ransby, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, John. Well, before we talk about Biden's first 100 days, I'd like to spend just a minute on the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. The FBI and the police have arrested just under 100 people as of uh, today. We're taping this on Tuesday. Charged, you know, with participation in the insurrection that tried to stop Congress from certifying Joe Biden as the winner of the Electoral College. But when Black Lives Matter protests filled the streets of Washington last June, D.C. police arrested more than three times as many people. There were 316 people arrested on June 1st. This is from CNN, which also points out that many of the insurrectionists arrested after January 6th had less serious charges than the Black Lives Matter uh, demonstrators. I wonder if you had any comment on this difference and, and on the difference between the Black Lives Matter protests in D.C. and what happened at the Capitol. Right. And I'm, I, thank you for that question. Um, of course, I have comment on that. Um, you know, I, I'm glad you said what happened at the at the, the U.S. Capitol because it, I, I don't want to even call it a protest. Um, I think it was a, a white nationalist attempted coup. Uh, some people have dismissed it because of the kind of buffoonery of some of the participants, but but often 
coups and insurrections of all type have many different parts and moving parts. So I think it was a very serious um, action uh, fueled by white nationalism. And I think, you know, we see the racism in law enforcement at the local level, at the national level, um, et cetera, in terms of disparity in treatment. I mean, clearly what we're finding out about what happened on January 6th is that in some ways it was uh, an inside job that that they had, the, the insurrectionists had um, inside information. There were these tours that were given the day before January 6th, which were had to have been authorized by a member of Congress. Um, we know that police from around the country participated. We know that there have been um, allegations of racism in the ranks of the Capitol Police for some time now. So uh, all of this makes it a very different phenomena than people protesting systemic racism uh, in the streets of cities around the country and, and in the Capitol. We, you know, we can overgeneralize sometimes and create these false symmetries. You know, people in the street. Well, why are they in the street? What are they doing? What are they demanding? What recourse do they have? So, um, so I don't even want to put the events in the same category, except to show this contrast. Um, you know, a lot more to say about that in terms of how serious that threat is, because in some ways it is a response to millions of people, including millions of white people, uh, in the street protesting white supremacy and racism the previous spring and summer. So, um, this is a reaction to that, a fear that a rising movement that envisions a different future um, is about to, to take something away from what some of these people feel they have. So Biden's first hundred days, what's at the top of your list of priorities for black America? Should it be doing something about the police who killed George, started all this by killing George Floyd in my hometown of Minneapolis and then Breonna Taylor in Louisville and Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta and so many other people whose names we remember now? Yeah. I mean, clearly, you know, race is at the heart of so much that's wrong with this country. And I, I would add, you know, what I call racial capitalism, what many people call racial capitalism, uh, that is that nexus between um, economic disenfranchisement and racism. So clearly, uh, uh, Biden has to step forward with a very forceful uh, agenda for combating racism, racism in the police, racism in education, uh, racism that permeates uh, major institutions of our of our society, and then there's an economic agenda. And you know, he has said that he's going to devote 1.9 trillion dollars to uh, to various kinds of programs. And sadly, that may not be enough um, because I think the the issue of wealth disparity, which is also color coded, um, is so obscene, so severe uh, that we need a massive uh, infusion of resources, creations of jobs debt relief, infrastructure development that can in fact create uh, jobs, you know, the Green New Deal and what my colleague Colette Pichon Battle calls the red, black and green New Deal, which is a new deal that makes sure to uh, include um, often disenfranchised communities of color. Uh, so yeah, I mean, those, those are some of the things at the top of my list, but I think it's gonna be a process, you know, um, one of the things that I, I wrote in the, the article in The Nation about the first 100 days is that we also need to uh, take movement building and civil society building as seriously as we take electoral work. And it's not to um, disparage or minimize electoral work, obviously critically important, but we also need to, you know, we need to fight the hearts and minds battle. If, if, if last week showed anything, it's that. You know, the 70 million people that voted for Trump you can't arrest all of them. You can't cite all of them. 
Uh, they weren't all there in the Capitol, by the way, you know, thank goodness. But there are a lot of people who have been fooled, seduced, coerced, manipulated, um, had a spell put on them uh, by this maniacal uh, political uh, figure. And so we need to we need to be about undoing that on many different levels. So uh, let's talk about some um, specifics in the new issue of The Nation. You talk about things Biden can do immediately through executive action without having to get a bill through Congress. The most obvious one is student debt. Uh, the word as of today is that Biden is ordering the pausing of student debt payments. This is not exactly what you had in mind. Uh, not what I had in mind, not what, uh, you know, the tens of thousands. And, and I know you, I think you've had Astra Taylor on your program and, and yes. the people uh, who, uh, um, who do work on, on the Debt Collective, which is a very, very important campaign and we shouldn't undermine it. The, it is so morally indefensible. I'm a, I'm a college professor, so at an at a urban public university where I have a very diverse student body. And, you know, I'm ashamed that, that uh, universities, colleges and universities take so much money from students and that the government doesn't see this as a worthwhile investment um, and that so many of my students have to go so deeply in debt. So that should be a top priority. It should be a cancellation of the debt. Um, and, 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 and there shouldn't be a compromise about it. I mean, what is the other side of that argument? I, I just don't understand it. So, yeah, I think that should be really important. And of course, you know, again, to, to bring race back into this, because I, you know, I like to remind my friends on the left that we don't have a class analysis over here and a race analysis over here. They are intimately bound up with one another. So even when we look at something like the debt, student debt, uh, disproportionately African-American uh, students are taking out more debt. They don't have family wealth. They don't have other options. Uh, the debt often, you know, the loans often subsidize uh, families that have no resources and so forth. So, um, so a part of a racial justice agenda is also a part of a debt relief uh, agenda. In The Nation, you remind us that the Movement for Black Lives laid out a set of principles to combat racism, something they called the BREATHE Act. To me, one of the most impressive things about Black Lives Matter is the way they've been able to combine protest and politics. Millions of people in the streets, but it's not just to be in the streets. They also support candidates and they propose legislation, policies, which they then pressure Congress to do something about. The Breathe Act is one of them. I think a lot of our of our listeners and readers don't know about this. Tell, tell us about the Breathe Act. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so the Breathe Act came out of the policy uh, table and policy committee uh, of the Movement for Black Lives. And it is a really, it's, it's a mock piece of legislation to be uh, used in different contexts. So, you know, it talks about moving toward divesting from police and investing in communities, understanding some of the root causes uh, of violence in our community, some of the root causes of, uh, uh, of various behaviors that might be labeled criminal is, you know, is economics, right? And so investment in our communities, investment in our schools, um, is a part of what that bill calls for. It calls for mental health uh, intervention and resources, which is much, much needed. I mean, so many of the cases of police violence have been cases that required a social worker and some compassion and somebody who could talk, uh, you know, could deescalate um, a situation. And the others, um, you know, involve people who are economically vulnerable. You know, when you think of some of the high profile cases of 
you know, Eric Garner selling loose cigarettes to subsidize family income or, um, you know, another person who was selling CDs out of the back of his car out in Sterling in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or even um, George Floyd, who was suspected of passing a counterfeit $20 bill. We don't know that he was doing that, but he was living an economically vulnerable life. So the Breathe Act tries to take those economic realities into consideration, um, as well as moving toward radically rethinking safety uh, and security. And I have to say, it's not just about um, a, a, an omnibus bill, an omnibus bill at the uh, federal level, but it's also about taking parts of the Breathe Act and applying them to state legislatures. We just had a victory here in Illinois where it looks like we're going to eliminate cash bail, which is a major victory and was a major part uh, of the Breathe Act. And some of the local activists that I work here uh, work with here, um, Rich Wallace, who works with an organization called uh, Equity and Transformation, uh, people in the informal economy, was very instrumental in in getting that to one of our progressive uh, state legislators. So, um, so yeah, so that's, you know, just some snippets from, from the Breathe Act, but um, the Vision for Black Lives was another document that addressed many, many progressive policies. And these are not policies where, you know, people are demanding just make things better for Black people. These are policies that will make things better for everybody. Uh, and so because Black people are often left out, it's saying center Black communities. And, and in doing that, you know, um, it, it will have a far-reaching effect. So, Your piece in The Nation was written before the Trump mob storming of the Capitol. Um, you argue there that uh, we need to return to the streets in a show of strength and unity, wearing masks, uh, of course. And you're right, we should fill the streets in D.C. and throughout the country to remind Biden that the millions who elected him expect to see policies that will improve the lives, not only of working people of color, but of everyone. How and when do you think we should return to the streets, especially in, in view of the possibility that we have learned about since January 6th of facing off with the same people who stormed the Capitol, who, as you have said, one of their fundamental motivations is white power. Well, I don't think we can, you know, we, we, we can't shrink and, and hide from this, right? Um, in major struggles all over the world against authoritarian rule and dictatorships, I mean, the biggest enemy is fear. And if people say, oh, my God, these are violent people, they, I, can't, I can't go to a demonstration because there might be some sort of retaliation. I mean, I think we should have security. I think we should be careful. I think we should, you know, plan our tactics uh, uh, and our logistics very, very uh, responsibly. But the when we get to the point where we're afraid to go out of our house for a rally or a vigil or a demonstration in support of justice uh, against injustice, then we've already lost the battle. We have already lost the battle. You know, I talked to my, uh, I have some very dear friends from Uruguay who, um, you know, lived under the dictatorship there. And they said, you know, the dictatorship took five years to gel, you know, and in that time, there were literally fights in the streets between, you know, progressive students and leftist students and, you know, right-wing uh, supporters uh, of, of, of the, the opposition movement. That was true in Hitler's Germany. That was certainly true in, in Italy before Mussolini. So, you know, we know that um, intimidation, fear, and bullying 
uh, of those of us who are uh, opposed to uh, authoritarianism, opposed to fascism in any form, um, we, we know that that kind of challenge is going to be there. But I say, you know, they are many, they are uh, many, but we are more. And I think that's important. So I can't say they are few and we are many. They are many, but we are more. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, standing together and standing uh, resolute is very important. I would love to see a massive demonstration, a massive filling of the streets with a very, very different message, with a very, very different vibe on the anniversary of King's assassination, which is uh, April 4th, uh, because King died fighting alongside um, sanitation workers, people who were, you know, doing some of the dangerous, dirty work in Memphis. And he marched with them and uh, he understood that connection between the racial justice fight and the economic justice fight. So uh, I think it would be very symbolic, you know, thinking of his unfinished agenda of fighting militarism, poverty, and racism. You know, if we had um, a show of strength from those of us with a more hopeful vision. They are many, but we are more. Barbara Ransby, she wrote about how Biden can support Black America and why we should fill the streets to remind him that millions who elected him expect to see policies that will improve our lives. You can read her piece at thenation.com. Barbara Ransby, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.